Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where we're talking hockey, a bit of the Irish crack, and raising points. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cut, but holding down the board here in New York, in the wonderful land of America. And it's time to bring on me drinking, mate, as always, up in the great white north, just outside of the beautiful city of Ottawa, Mr. Liam Maguire. Bartenders, ah, for God's sakes, bring the whole keg over we needed. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> How's she going, Polly? How's she going? Uh, she's going all right, man. Going all right. So far, so good. How about yeah. yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, taking the days on as they come, you know. Get up every morning and say, uh, what am I slaying today? And I'll tell you, may have to revamp some of my Olympic predictions uh, based on some of the goaltending I've seen in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> Not looking too good. From a Canadian perspective, and uh, the Russians look like brick walls. And all of a sudden, if you can get a, if you can score a goal on Markstrom, then uh, you've, you've, you should celebrate for life. I mean, what the hell is going on? Kids, something else. How you man. been, man? How you been? How you been? Everything's good, man. A day older yesterday, yeah. so uh, life so is a day good. wiser too. Then, obviously, yeah. right? Feeling good. Uh, update on me. Me six pounds has turned into ten pounds of loss of weight. So look at you go, kid. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So, uh, look, feeling two and 52, I should say, and feeling 25 again. So, uh, all is good, man. Getting ready for the big uh, turkey dinner here tomorrow in America. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, so so you got to you gotta cut yourself a little slack, right? I mean, you're going to slide a few of those LBs back on there, hammering back. Uh, no two way. Or three come, no, this come come too far. I've got a little – the wife's already set. Uh, I'm going to have a little turkey, a little uh, butternut squash, a bit of salad. <laughs> And I'm gonna, ah, come on. And maybe a spoonful of mashed potatoes. Man. It's the, <laughs> this is the biggest four-day party in the world. The I can't do it, man. I can't do it. If I get back on that scale and it goes back up, I'll be I'll be mortified. <laughs> well, I think you should cut yourself a little slack and make sure you have maybe at least a little plate of seconds. I mean, my God. No so if you way, put a pound man. No two. way. I don't know. No we'll way. See. You're going to stick to it. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just, uh, I'll tell you what, in my in, in years past, I've been a glutton. I'd be good for at least two plates of stuff. Because my attitude back then would be, ah, it's Thanksgiving, you know, ah, what the heck, you know, yeah. just do it, whatever. But uh, I don't know, man, I've been, I've been just, look, the last couple of weeks here with, uh, you know, just really taking this seriously. I do have a game plan, and it's, uh, yeah. I, uh, you know, for anybody out there who's been up and down with their weight or working on it, and you know when you get older, you know, it gets a little harder. I mean, you keep yourself in great shape, and I'm not. I'm not like obese or anything like that. It's really just no, getting back not. into no. to game shape more than anything. And um, yeah, you know when you when you actually when you actually get on the scale and you see it going down and it's not going up, and you know doing the the personal training that I've been doing and meeting with my nutritionist, who's really just giving me a whole brand new education. And, you know, look, look, we're two lads who, you know, love throwing it back and, and, and love the gargle and, and love having a good time and, and lapping up life. And, and I'm a big guy like that, too. And, look, I've been doing it <laughs> for 52 years. But, you know, it's just one of those things where um, I'm really happy the way the way things have gone the last couple of weeks. And, yeah, so tomorrow is a big test. Hey, look, well, I played a gig last week, buddy. I'll tell you, last thing on this. And, uh uh, great place, uh, Jameson's Pub out in uh, yeah. Rockaway Beach. Wonderful people, great stuff. And uh, my first time I had played there, at the end of the show, I had asked, this is before I started uh, training, I had asked the uh, the owner there, I said, hey, can I have a cheeseburger that looks to go, you know? 
because I yeah. usually don't eat before the shows, and then I do the bad thing. And eat. So anyway, she did it. So uh, I played there on Thursday, and uh, I didn't even have to ask. And at the end of the show, it was there. It was ready. The burger was ready to go. And I was yeah. like, oh. And I couldn't have the heart to tell her that I'm not going to eat it, you know? <laughs> So I brought it home, I put it in the fridge, and my wife got up the next morning, she said, wow, you are serious about this diet, buddy. <laughs> wow, man. I, I, listen, I'm impressed, Polly. I'm not kidding you. That's, uh, I've known a lot of friends. Uh, you and I have had this discussion privately and publicly. You know, I'm the exact opposite. I can't, weight falls off me. Like, it just falls off me. I'm, a, I'm already down since I quit playing golf because I'm not at the club, you know, five days a week <clears throat> eating and drinking there. So, and then even though I do my little workouts, uh, I guys try and hang, you know, hang around basically 188, you know, it's kind of sort of where I always hang around. Like I'm, I'm down to one, 182 right now. And just, it just falls off me. You know, I not trying, not trying to, I'd rather be up, you know, I'd rather be 190 or 192, but I can't, I can't keep it on. But, uh, kudos to you, man. <clears throat> kudos to you because I've known a lot of other people that have done it the other way and, and the the diets, uh, you know, they just they just don't they don't stick, and and then the weight comes back on. But uh, you know, I know a couple people personally right now, very close, that are doing quite well, quite well with uh, with weight loss. So uh, uh, not including yourself, which I mean, and you, like you said, it's not you're not obese. You're just trying to trim it up there and get back. And and boy, you got it going on, man. I'm really uh, really happy for you. Really proud of you. I think it's fantastic. Thanks, man. No, I appreciate it. So, uh, like I said, all is good and, uh, you know, enjoying life. And, you know, at this time of the year, like I said, holidays coming up and everything else, too. It's uh, good times and everything and stuff. So, uh, you know, yeah. here we are, mate, and it's, it's great to talk to you. We want to apologize to everybody. We did have a show on Friday, and we were we were halfway through the show, and unfortunately, we went through some difficulties since first, the technical stuff. So, yeah. we had to uh, get things straightened out here. So, we're back at it. Um I, mean, yeah, I, I saw mean, my I saw my nutritionist too, eh? You did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him, I saw him at the bar. I was <laughs> uh, gonna say, and if you want to band up to one ninety two, mate, just just throw an extra pint in your hand. You'll be fine. <laughs> Believe me. Believe me. People have said that for years. Well, first of all, they say just drink more, and then they wait. Wait a minute. They realize who they're talking to, and and, and uh, so look, that's not humanly possible. And it's never really been able to. Uh, so I've never just been able. I just don't put weight on. I just, I just don't put yeah, it. I on. mean, everybody's metabolism is different, you know. Yeah, I've my, always my had my little brother. Yeah, he can. Me and my 20s. brother can throw him back and eat a cow and eat nothing. Well, there you go. He's the same as me. Yeah, same metabolism as me. Then exact same. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's just some people are that way. He's that way. I'm that way. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just the way it is. I've never I've sat down with a nutritionist one time. One time, I met a, a nutritionist and went through the diet. And I see my diets. I don't eat. I'm not a good eater anyway. You know, I mean, I what I like, I eat a lot of, but but I don't I don't have a lot of variants. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, potatoes and vegetable, right? So yeah. that qualifies. <laughs> so anyway, I can't even remember if it was a man or a woman, but whoever it was, I was sitting there. So I joined one of the gyms in Mantic, which I like because I had a heavy bag and I don't have one at home set up. So I like going in there. That's good cardio. Just pound that bag, hit it as humanly hard as possible. And and uh, and she said, well, yeah, I'll get you on this meal plan. Do this, 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 and this. And I just looked at it and just went, are you friggin' kidding me? <laughs> Not a whole vanilla. 
Not a hope uh, hell. This doesn't fit my schedule. Thank you, though. Really appreciate your uh, time and effort in that matter. <laughs> Kitty! <laughs> I'm on the way to the pub. I'll think about, I'll think about your ideas over a, a yeah. bit of shepherd's pie. <laughs> oh, no, a double order plate of wings and, uh, and a couple of pints and maybe a double rum and a whiskey. Oh, man, too much. And you know what? Look, uh, you know, the other thing, too, it all depends on your taste. You know, I'm lucky. I mean, everything my guy's been telling me, I said I love it. So, uh, you know, yeah, uh, I'm all for it. But, uh, you know, it's you funny. You strike me as a good eater, though. You strike me as a good eater. You strike me as someone who's, uh, I mean, I say a good eater. Like, I think, well, most people, I think, can eat what's put in front of them. Like, I can't, man. I am meat and potatoes. And, and uh, like, I, I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. I, I don't eat any vegetables. I don't eat uh, any vegetables. None. You're, you're, see, nope. see, again, you're my brother. He won't touch vegetables either. I got to meet this lad. Yeah, the only difference between you two guys is he's got a ton of uh, sleeve tattoos and he likes the Islanders, you know. Other than that, you know, and you oh, like the okay. Canadians. It's about it, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm getting a tattoo next year. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, are you gonna surprise us? Or are you gonna tease us here? Uh, no, I've, I'm, I've got, I've got it narrowed down to three. It's either gonna be the, uh, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish logo, just because it's a, uh, you know, uh, they the, might ban logo. that soon, buddy. Too late. We're gonna get it, or and or the Canadian flag. Okay. And I got a bunch of guys at Redview, the club I'm a member at. There was about twenty guys around fifteen years ago. All went out and got Canadian flag logos. I I didn't go with them. I've now, never got. Case, to. Is that in case you get lost? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's, the, uh, it's a friend of mine, his daughter, Gordy Paul. Anybody from the Ottawa, Manatic area in particular, he lives in Perth now. But his his daughter Haley um, and her friend, her she has a friend who's a tattoo artist, and and the third one, Paulie, and I think you'll like this one. So I'm a pretty big uh, Bruce Springsteen fan. Ooh. And he's he does um, uh, an acoustic song. He has a song called No Surrender. Mm-hmm. And he has uh, the live version, at, uh, well, both. He's done live, both uh, the uh, full band version, and he has an acoustic version. And, and, and this, you know, he's got in the chorus is no retreat, no surrender. I've always loved that. Yeah. Always loved that. So I was thinking of getting that uh, somewhere. Got a couple spots. But, uh, but then it's got to be attached to something that really kind of illustrates that. I ain't backing up, brother. Hey man, it sounds like you could intertwine all three of those into one real beautiful piece of artwork, you know. Yeah. Well, I got to go meet her actually. I'm I'm going to go meet her in the next week or two. I've never met Haley's friend here, but uh, she lives in Carlton Place. She has her she has her shop there and going to go meet her and you're saying, "Oh, why are you doing it this age, Liam? Why would you? Cuz you know, I'm 10 years older than you. Why would you?" I don't know, why not? Why not? Why not? I just feel like getting one. Yeah, no, I hey, look, there's nothing wrong with it, man. I've 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 thought about it myself. You know, but I thought about maybe getting my kids uh, on the on my shoulder there. I've seen a couple of lads do that that I know. Yeah, I've seen uh, a lot of people do that with their yeah. uh, dates around uh, passings of certain relatives that meant a lot to them. Um, children's names or fathers or mothers or uh, all sorts of all, all sorts of different things. I mean, I've shied away from it my entire life. It's never it's not something I've gone to bed at night sleeping. Oh, God, I can't wait to get a tattoo or anything. But. Mm-hmm. But I was up in Perth on the weekend there, hanging with the Pauls, my dear friends, and I get up there a couple times a year. And Haley, his daughter, who's in her twenties, and she's she's got quite, she's got quite a few, twelve or thirteen anyway. And they, I think they all look great. And uh, 
I've never really looked at anybody. I mean, I've seen some people on the arms and you see how they're covered. And I just go, well, that's not for me. Like, I don't, I don't want anything like that. You know, I'm not looking for that, but I think a couple that maybe would mean a lot to me if, if you, if you put them on, uh, you know, and it's not like you're parading around saying, Hey, look at this or whatever. I mean, they're fairly common really. And, uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to do it in 2022. Hey man, good stuff. Hey, look, I love the art. I love um, you know the, the the folks who get it done and the folks who do it. I mean, it's an amazing skill. It is. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I could sit there and for hours and just you know you know just look over different artworks and pieces, and then the time that goes into it, and you know they're expensive and everything else. And there's the good ones, and then there's the bad ones. But it's it's yeah, a beautiful, they are a, a few hundred dollars. So there's yeah, I mean, there's, there's an expense there. You know, even the tribal tattoos. I mean, it's fascinating the history of tattoos and how far it goes back. And you know, tattoos, like I said, for people mean a lot. You know, whether it's uh, losing a loved one or a moment in time, or I mean, you, you look at hockey fans who have uh, you know gotten <laughs> championships and Stanley Cups yeah. and uh, logos and stuff on. Tons, I mean, that's tons, that's serious tons stuff, stuff, man. You know, tons of stuff. I bet you, I bet you at least, uh, I bet you thirty to forty percent of the players in the NHL right now have have one, have a tattoo. Yeah, I mean, the younger generation, you know, even my brother's age, right? So he's, uh, he just, he's going to kill me. He just turned 44, I think, uh, late 30-something. I, I can't remember. He's 13 years younger than me, so I'm 52. What's the math? Whatever it is. But his generation. 39. 39, yeah, 39 if he's 13 years younger. So yeah, that's, so, holy uh, cow, he's a pop. Yeah, so, but him uh, him and a lot of his buds, man, they, um, they've they all got him, man. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. You know one I did show her? I was having a few nightcaps there with Haley as we were talking about uh, tattoos there on Saturday. And cause I've seen a few, you know, I've, you know, you know, when either at, at the gym or you played hockey with guys and then getting dressed, you've seen the tots and this and that. So in the dressing room and stuff, and I showed her one, I said, this is probably, I never probably go for this, but this is pretty freaking cool. And if you've ever been to the North of Ireland, uh, in certain areas of the town, given the history of what's gone on there, there's a great big mural for a man named Bobby Sands. Wow. Yeah. From 1981. And it's quite expansive. That is a mural. And I showed her, I said, wouldn't that be something? And she said, oh my God. Of course, she had no idea of the history and everything. So I regaled her a little bit of it. And uh, I said, that would be, if you ever went to the, if I personally ever went to the next level or something like that, I would consider maybe something like that, you know? Yeah, that'd be quite that'd be quite a step up, obviously. But yeah, no, but it'd be you, man. I mean, uh, that's the whole thing, right? When you eventually get it done, it's got to be about, you know, it's yeah. got to be a little bit inside your heart and soul, you know, when you're putting something. No, no question, it. which is why I say I'm leaning towards no retreat, no surrender. First of all, I'm a huge fan of the artist. I love that song, the acoustic version. It's actually kind of a sort of a thing between Haley's dad and myself. Mm -hmm. He was one of my best men when I got married. I was his best man. And not only did I emcee his wedding, but I emceed his son's wedding. And uh, so I finally met his his granddaughter for the first time because of COVID. I couldn't go up, you know. So that's, that's I, was, I didn't see them for 19 months up there. So I finally went up and uh, met the little girl and they're pregnant. Uh, she's due for number two there. He's going to have a second grandchild here and any uh, any day great, and uh, so so yeah so great for them and everything so that song is always sort of anytime because you know we it was this the thing hey eh? for me and gordo was this sort sort of our song back in the day no retreat no surrender whatever everyone's got something and uh but i always liked it and always i just love love that expression 
you know, love that expression. I mean, it was a few nights at bars that had to be that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> Liam McGuire has never purchased a white flag, folks, and he never will. <laughs> Maybe that one night in Bell's Corners, they're <laughs> looking for anything to try and get us out of that one. But uh, that's another story. Paulie, can you see the shirt I'm wearing? Uh, you're a little low there. What do you got there? Oh, Zamboni with the M on it. What is that now? No, uh, well, the M is just convenient because of the last name, but uh, it had nothing to do with it. It's just uh, the make of the shirt, I guess. But can you tell that he's that the Zamboni driver is holding a pint? Can you uh, see just that? gonna say, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What's the story behind that shirt now? Well, they I got given this as a a gift a couple of years ago because years ago in the village of Manatic that I was just alluding to there, uh, um, I, I was a Zamboni driver at the Manatic Arena and uh, I showed up for work extremely um, hungover, actually pretty much still hammered one morning and uh, I walked from the party where I where I was at. This is a long, 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 long time ago, over 40 years ago. And, and uh, what you're supposed to do is you put the first flood on. The first ice time is at 6 o'clock. So the kids skate from 6 to 6.50. You put the flood on. You're done at 7. Then you take the gas can. You go down to Sonny's SO and, and you, you fill her up so you can fill her up for the rest of the day. I didn't do that. I went right back to the first aid room and crashed and forgot to get the gas. So when I got woken up by Dan Youngs, the kid working the arena, and he said, Liam, Time for the flood. And I said, oh, great. He said, you didn't go get the gas. I went, oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I got enough to do the flood. And so I went out there and I whipped, just prayed to God the Zamboni wouldn't stop. Uh, and, and can you imagine had it stopped in mid-flood, would have been stuck out there on the ice. But I got the flood done. I came shooting out the back door. I dumped the snow. And I just said, to hell with it. And I drove the Zamboni right down to the gas station, right on <laughs> Main Street. And so I pulled into the pumps and filled her up. And, you know, young, uh, young Mr. Downey there, uh, was working, working the pumps, uh, Downs, Downs was his last name, actually Downs. And anyways, uh, on the way back, I got pulled over by the police. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And it was hardly ever a cop on a Saturday morning in Mantic back in those days. The, 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 the village was basically just a detachment for the OPP, Ontario Provincial Police. We had no cop shop there per se, uh, but they saw the Zamboni and thought I'd stolen it. So he pulled me over, and he's he's uh, he comes up to me. Of course, he's very trepidatious because he thinks, first of all, a I've I've broken this thing out of the rink. I could be a potential threat here. I'm driving a mechanized, fairly large vehicle, <laughs> and determined fairly quickly as you know that I was not. And I I told him, and and he, he they also determined very quickly that I probably shouldn't be operating a motorized vehicle <laughs> right at that time either. And, he, and then he said. Now, I could charge you with impaired. This is actually impaired. And this is why I gave one of the greatest lines in my entire life, Polly. I said to him, officer, you are depriving the young boys and girls of Rideau Township of their ice time. He just looked at me and shook his head and said, you get that thing back in the rink. You better never do this again. So I went back to the arena all cast up, literally and figuratively. And went on in my day. But so they got me this as a gift a couple of years ago because the Zamboni driver's holding a bite. That is fantastic. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, that's brilliant. I had no idea you could take that thing on the road. 
Oh, yeah, man, sure. It's Volkswagen engine. You can just roll right down there. I mean, obviously, it's got a top-end speed of about 18 miles an hour, <laughs> and uh, it really only makes right-hand turns. <laughs> kidding, kidding, of course. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it takes the average uh, average flood you can put on is about 10 minutes average, right? I could, You could really scoot. I'm sure there's a, if anybody's listening that's drove one, you know you could fly on that thing and get her done in eight minutes. But you're you better really really know what you're doing if you're hammering down for eight minutes. Now you see what they do, Polly, is because so many promotions are done at rinks, even in the NHL. Yeah. Um, and they eat up. They First of all, the extended NHL intermissions to 18 minutes, number one. Number two, there's usually something going on in the ice in the intermission for a few minutes, and that's why they, they brought in the second Zamboni. Gotcha. So the second Zamboni will both come out, and they'll both they'll – both, um, rip around the ice and get the flood done in plenty of time inside the 18 minutes and let the water will, will freeze, of course, through the courtesy of the brine and the plant and all, the whole nine yards, and, and, and then away you go. Well, we don't have that in all the small rinks around, so there's no, obviously, any, any type of things going on during the intermission. So, But you got to get a flood on in 10 minutes. Like That's it. You're, when you get an hour of ice time, you're not, you don't get an hour of ice time. You get 50 minutes. Yeah. That's what you're renting. You're renting 50 minutes. It's you go on, you, you know, the Zamboni door is supposed to close right at the minute that your ice time is supposed to start. So then you've got your warm up and everything else. So, you know, I mean, yeah, that, that whittles down pretty quickly. If you're playing with three lines and uh, four or five D like you, you better, there's no excuse not to go hard out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a fantastic story, man. Good stuff there. There you go, buddy. As we, we switch on over. Oh, there you go. See, so that's, yeah, that's that's the uh, full live, that's the full band. Speaking of no retreat, no surrender. Yeah. That's what the Islanders are going to have to do tonight against the Rangers here. I mean, your boys in Ottawa, well, the Sens are concerned, just back on the ice too with the COVID, and now uh, yeah. the Isles themselves dealing with it, opening up the brand new building, not a good start from their losses to Calgary and uh, Toronto, and now my no. boys come in there tonight. Um, good song though, eh? I can hear yeah, it man. still back on that. That's cool. Do you like that song? Love Bruce, man. Love this yeah. song. I mean, yeah. the great thing about Bruce is there's so many great songs, you know? You I know. Get lost hundreds. In it. Yeah, as me and my buddy Paul Brophy always say, we call them all classics. There's another classic. Hey, I've asked you this classic. before. Did you watch his uh, special on Broadway? You know what? Uh, I haven't seen it all. I, right. I, I haven't seen it all. I, I started watching it one night and something came up and... Uh, I had friends went down there. Rocket Ronnie and his girlfriend Christine went down, scalped some tickets. Uh, crazy money, but uh, he said he caught the show of his of a life for him. You know, he's a Bruce fanatic as it's well. It's on Netflix, and, man. Fire <clears throat> it up, man. Is it on Netflix now? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, man. fire that okay. up. Okay, couple Tough points. Tough to find the time, man. During the day, you know, I'm either working on the screenplay for the Ogie movie, or I'm working out, or I'm uh, or I'm just trying to move pieces around for my next gig, which hopefully are they're starting to come and. Uh, you know, or at night, I certainly at night, I just watch hockey. That's all I do is watch uh, hockey, you know, um, at, at, at home. So it's uh, hard to find time. Yeah, and there's a hell of a lot but of games I, I will, on I will find it. I will find it. I didn't know it was on Netflix, actually, so thank you for that. I did not yeah, know that. It's brilliant, man. So, I mean, if you're a diehard, you got to watch yeah. it because the story. No, I've seen it. I've Like I said, I've seen yeah. I don't know how long it is, but I've watched, uh, I watched a good chunk of it uh, uh, one night, uh, actually watched it online somewhere, not even on Netflix. I think it was one of the first times when it came out. It was posted somewhere, and I started watching it. Maybe it was just a big excerpt. I'm not sure. 
But I, I feel like I've seen so many different parts of it or certainly heard it because the Springsteen channel on satellite radio, uh, when it, after he started playing Broadway, they were playing huge parts of it on, on, on their channel. You know, so so I feel like I've I've certainly heard, you know, in his dissertations and things of that nature between the songs and stuff. But I guess it just must have been pretty incredible to be there, you know. So I don't even think he he was ex- expected how successful it was going to be is what it sounds like, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's brilliant. Like I said, if you're a diehard, yeah. it's a it's a must watch, must see. Yeah, it's good stuff. So look, mate. Um, here we go. Um, as far as the puck, no, so that was fun. Hey, we'll catch you later. Yeah, man. No, it's. <laughs> Look, man, I, I've always said, me and you always say, man, we, this could be a three-hour podcast. <laughs> I know. Hey, the Islanders, I mean, uh, I don't, was anybody announced yet today, Paulie? I haven't heard any other names added of you. Uh, I think, think this is kind of followed up from yesterday. I mean, I think Charles was one of the last guys that was added. And he made uh, seven, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I'm just kind of well, they pulled the They pulled the plug on the Senators, I think, when they got to nine or ten guys. And, yeah. and uh, I mean... I, what? Jeez, the what other a, what, fans are screaming for it too, you know. And uh, they they thought there was a chance uh, that they were going to cancel or postpone it, but it hasn't happened. So it's game on tonight. Yeah, I guess it's the Rangers yeah. versus the Bridgeport uh, Sound Tigers. Yeah, well, this is this is what it was for the Senators, and you know they played a hell of a game the other night against Colorado. I mean, uh, Kemper was brutal that was in wild. that. Wild! What a game. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, I mean, at one point in the second period, Colorado was out shooting Ottawa 16 to nothing. It was crazy. Like, it really looked like a constant power play. But then the Sens would just go down the ice and score. Uh, you know, it was amazing. Sanford with the hat trick, so kudos to him. And That's going to be a big problem for Colorado. Copy for him. I like him as a player. This this whole thing with Grubauer going, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not playing that well in Seattle either. But, man... That's a that's a massive hole for the Colorado Avalanche. That 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 kind of pressure they're going to have to put five to six goals up a night uh, to get out of this division. It is, it is. I know. No, McKinnon's not in the lineup right now, and they've got a bunch of guys. I mean, Kale McCarr the last uh, the last ten days has been absolutely insane. He scored two goals against the Sens that night. Now they're not exactly the league's best measuring stick, but at the same time, it's an NHL team and. They had most of a full lineup, but still they hadn't played in eight days and they're playing in Colorado. We all know the elevation there and everything else. You're dealing with some other things. But anyway, uh, that's the Sens story back from COVID and the Islanders, I guess. I guess, uh, you see, it all goes back to San Jose, right? The start of the year who had, I, I believe it was seven players in COVID protocol. And we're, we're told to basically go ahead and keep, keep filling and play the games. And I think until Ottawa went to nine or ten guys, and then they realized, okay, like we have a full-blown situation here. And so then they pulled the plug, and and here we are. But uh, I just, I don't know. I just wondering if anybody got announced today. Had the Islanders gone to eight, I I, I just think maybe they they might have they might have they might have pulled it. And frankly, I think they should. Do you not? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, the other thing I was trying to see here is where the NHL makes its decision, obviously, in terms of how many players are affected, how many guys they can bring up for the farm team, whether the team is competitive enough. I mean, that's always going to be the big argument, right? So yeah. uh, the Islanders tonight, Rangers tonight, Pittsburgh on Friday, and then they go on the road, um, not big road trip, back to the Garden then, and then Philly. and So they've got a game almost every other night pretty much all the way through December. So maybe yeah. the league makes a decision there that 
they're just going to push it to as far as they can with the Islanders in terms of guys coming back. And, and the, the, the double hit here for the Isles, if they've actually got guys going down with injuries too. Nelson's well, out now it. two to four weeks. I mean, yeah, they're Rock in a really better. tough yeah, spot. Yeah. yeah, they are. And, and, you know, I mean, it just compounds the situation, right? You start with a 13-game road trip. You're breaking in a new building. You can barely score there. You can't get a win. And you got the Rangers, clearly one of the top half dozen teams so far in this young going in the in in, in the early season here, and uh, and you got them. Not on top of that, as an arch rival, have been for decades. So you add all that into it, and you don't have your full lineup. That's uh, that's tough, man. That's tough. But I remember when the Sens bodies were dropping, and everybody was saying, "Well, where's the line?" Well, I think we found it at nine guys. At nine guys, they called it a day. So that's why you know you're saying you haven't heard anybody else since Chara. And I guess if they stay at seven, because San Jose went at seven at the start of the season, so is that the number? I mean, I guess it is. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll watch that tonight. You know, I was certainly hoping Chera was going to be in the lineup. They know he's 44, but, you know, him and Ryan Reeves, I think everybody would like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is something else. I mean, as far as the Islanders are concerned, too, you, you wonder – with the way they've been struggling, and if you, if they get to the end of the year and say they either one or two things, I mean, right now, like I said, we how long do we keep saying it's way too early? But if they have a brutal December here coming up, and they don't make the cut here at the end of the year, they're going to look back at not only the road trip, and they're also going to look back at this hit here because if they're they're losing a ton of points, and everybody else here in the Metro up top here, you know, when you look at uh, the Rangers and even the rest of the Atlantic too. The, the point disparity now, I mean, 12, 14, you, you drop 14, you know, 8 to 12 points out of a wild card spot now, and, and then it keeps going, yeah. the hurt keeps coming. Yeah. Um, I don't care how good your guy is behind the bench and everything else, that's uh, going to be a hard hill to climb for a team that's put a lot of miles on their skates here the last two seasons, too. Well, I mean, it's uh, like something else that I said uh I think the little video that I do there on Monday is Liam's hockey. And I was talking about, it. I said, look, the Ottawa senators were 14 points out on February 10th in 2015, which is ridiculous. Right. And, and ended up making the playoffs because they promptly lost to Montreal in the first round, but still uh, Andrew Hammond, the goaltender um, just went, was insane. He couldn't get it. He couldn't get a BB by him. And we all know the St. Louis blues story. In 2019, New Year's Eve 2018, 28-19 season, they were in last place in the NHL. They'd come on to win the Stanley Cup. Well, for every two of those stories, unfortunately, the the, the majority, just you're just not going to get her done. And the Islanders are, are right there. The Canadians are right there. Go down the line. Yeah. Anybody that right now, the Ottawa Senators, any, anybody right now that maybe had some playoff aspirations you can take a look and the islanders unfortunately have to be considered in that group i'm sure it's very frustrating for everybody you look at trots has come in on dutch he's done such a good job but just an unprecedented road trip to start the season and then followed by now covid and the other various struggles some injuries and and things of that nature and and they're in a very very uh, very, very tough situation here very quickly. I mean, it, look, this you know this. This is one of the benchmarks. It's American Thanksgiving. It's the first one. American Thanksgiving, Christmas, what normally would be the All-Star break. This year will be the Olympic break on February 2nd or 3rd, whatever I think is when the NHL shuts down. 
so that'll be your third one. And and then normally if there is a if people include a fourth, they say, well, by the trade deadline, because then you're either all in as a buyer or a seller, right? Yep. Trade deadline. So so that's sort of your fourth time. You say, okay, well, you know, I'm ten points out or whatever it is, certainly at ten, but I mean even at four, five, six points at the trade deadline. The, the odds are overwhelmingly against you. And if you're not going in the right direction, then that's when teams, in a lot of cases, become the sellers, right? That's what we've seen in the past. So so this is the first benchmark coming up right here this weekend. I don't know if they – because the American Thanksgiving, it effectively starts from thir- – it runs Thursday to Sunday typically, doesn't it, Paulie, in terms of what the how the Americans embrace the holiday? Yeah, everybody's pretty much off Thursday, Friday, you know, and then so yeah. you get the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and yeah. Yeah. So the weekend. So I so I guess, you know, but I mean, look, the Islanders turned around and somehow pulled the rabbit out of the out of their ass here and got a W tonight. Then then maybe you look at things differently. But I'd say right now, I'd say I'd say that's a pretty safe bet for the Rangers and 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 the demise of the Islanders and other teams here. Now, all of a sudden, Arizona's getting a couple of wins and they're not coming into a playoff spot. But first of all, their head coach, you know, their head coach, he came from here. Right, Paulie? He was the head coach of the Ottawa 67s. Andre Turnier, he was a head coach in our World Junior program for a couple of years, assistant coach, head coach, I should say. And I, I think this guy's a hell of a coach. He's got a few guys starting to play a little bit better hockey. You're going to get some W's. You know, everybody's going to get some W's. The Washington Capitals in 74, 75, won eight games. Don't ask me how. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I don't know how the hell they did it, but they played 80 and won eight. So they got a couple of wins. You know, they averaged about a win a month. And and uh, you're going to get some Ws. You know, Montreal took a 5 nothing lead on Nashville on Saturday night and withstood a Matt Duchesne natural hat trick and barely hung on to get the W. So, you know, these teams that have started so poorly and look like that's probably going to continue, for the most part, are going to find a way to get a W. And sadly, for Islander fans, they're in that boat, man. Yeah. They're in that boat right now. And and it's, you know, after going after taking the Tampa Bay Lightning further than anybody last year, you and I have said this to you a million times. You said it as well. You watched it like I did. I still to this day do not know how they didn't tie that game up at one all. Yeah. In in that third period of game seven. Tampa could barely get out of their zone in the last ten minutes of that third period game seven against the Islanders. That was one of the best series. I've seen, and I'm telling you, in the last five years in the NHL, that Tampa Islanders series last year was some kind of hockey, man. And for them to have to turn around and endure what's going on this year, and now you got COVID, and they're not going to let you shut down because they didn't shut Ottawa down at seven, guys. They didn't shut San Jose down at seven. So you're screwed, giving away the points, as you just said. And so here we go. So, you know, it's like I I wrote about the Habs, Paulie. You got sometimes to say it's write it off, man. Like, does that yeah. mean you want to go down the Islander lineup and start selling off all your assets and moving guys because they're not either playing well or getting W's or dealing with this, that, and the other? They've or they've well, they overachieved last year, or whatever. Like everybody's saying about the Habs, so they got to got to find a way to move these guys that they've signed on long term deals. No, no. What an idiotic, stupid, idiotic thing to say that comes from all the morons on social media. You know, the overwhelming majority who cannot skate across this kitchen who want a fire sale in Montreal. Have you started hearing that on the island? Well, first of all, you shouldn't now with COVID. Now it's going to be a situation of let's wait. 
They don't get shut down. I mean, you got to play the games. W's are going to become extremely hard to come by. Then inevitably, everybody comes back and maybe, maybe like by the middle of December here in two or three weeks, you're back to full health. Then maybe you can string some wins together and see, see where you're at. But I mean, the, the, the fans that start calling for fire sales and heads and move this guy, move that guy, they're the ones that have, that have destroyed social media fan bases by being such idiots, you know. And we're really, it's really, really prevalent in Montreal right now. We're for an abundance of reasons, tangible and non-tangible in terms of on ice and off ice and the nature of what's gone on there with their lineup. You got to just write this year off. Got to just write it off. And the Islanders are, I think, are are very, very close to having to do the same thing now, especially getting smoked by COVID. Yeah, and you know uh, it, it it emphasizes. You know, you, you take Montreal and you take the Islanders, and it just reemphasizes how. And you even take the Stars there a couple years ago, how hard it is to get there, and then and then losing, and then how hard it is to get back. You know, for both Tampa and the Islanders to get back there and play each other again back to back. Obviously, again, two unique uh, seasons. But um, you know, even Trotz and Lamarillo too. I mean, they know it. They've been there. Um, but to to struggle right now and then to to know how difficult it is to kind of climb that mountain again and and my, it's very it's it's kind of we'll sit back here at the end of the year and we'll look back at at the Islanders and we'll look back at the Canadians and and you can see Dallas has really never been the same. Since um since losing except for last night, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to bleed into uh, Connor's uh, streak here getting ended, but I mean, but even as a whole, I mean, Dallas is having problems. Bonus is having problems, and they've just never been the same. They they those guys really didn't take that loss that you know that well because that was even worse for them because that was the um the summer of the you know they were totally quarantined, totally um, shut out yeah. from their families well, and, and them, normal them life. in Vancouver last year were decimated with COVID. You make a great point. And then, no, I, you know, I'm being somewhat facetious because last night's game, I don't think it's been, uh, you know, has, has been an example really of how they've played most of this year. But Polly, oh my God, they were a brick wall last night. Now, Connor, Connor's head was in the clouds. I'm going to tell you why. Because of the, uh, why? his house being on the TV show. hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm telling you right now, it trended all day on really? Twitter. Wow. All day it trended, and he's doing the tour with his girlfriend, and he's got to tell how many times he's gotten in the tub or whatever, and then look at this beautiful view over this field, and it's, it's blowing up on Twitter. You can't tell me he didn't take that to the rink last night. He wasn't himself. He, 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 he fell down once even, just making a cut. I mean, he, he couldn't pass the puck. He couldn't. He couldn't do anything. Dreisaitl played okay, but but Dallas looked outstanding. But I mean, any, you know, teams are going to step up and look great and, and, and get a win. But uh, it's interesting. I was thinking last night as I was watching the game, I was going look at look at how well Dallas is playing. How poor Edmonton looks right now, but somewhat do because Dallas are making him look that poor. And Jamie Ben looked pretty good. Sagan was on McDavid all night. Like, he was following him. Right to the washroom, like wherever he went, Sagan was five feet in behind him, and and Klingberg, oh my God, they're gonna have to open the vault for this guy. I mean, you know, they they have they looked like the team that made that surprise run two years ago, 
And and yet you look and you say, okay, well, they just ultimately at the end of the day probably aren't going to be a cup threat. But you know the a, perp, a perfect analogy, Paulie, would be uh, Kansas City in the NFL uh, beat Dallas, the Cowboys, on mm-hmm. Sunday. And Kansas City looked like their Super Bowl team yeah. from a couple years ago, you know? And and it just it just teams just got motivated. I think these Dallas Stars last night in the NHL were motivated to to play this this high flying Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisidel duo. And they shut them. They, I mean, Dreisidel made a great play on the goal of McLeod there. That was a beautiful pass and a great play. But I mean, Connor did nothing. And yeah. I really believe in my heart that everything that exploded on social media yesterday about the tour of his house or condo or whatever the hell it is, obviously a couple million dollar thing, whatever it is, uh, I think somehow that that had an adverse effect. I don't understand why they don't leave that crap till the offseason. I just don't understand. Want to know why? Tell me. What do you want to bet? That his girlfriend played a role in that. So, what do you want to bet? You think a guy like Connor McDavid? Listen to the interviews he gives. They tell after he scored that goal against the Rangers, one of the greatest goals we've seen, and then he does it three weeks later. Same thing, almost. And and uh, hey, Connor, like holy cow, like about that goal, and ah, uh, man, your cuts, this and this, not. They want to get it, get him into the whole, you know, the whole thing about the goal. And what what does he say in a monotone voice? Just doing my job. Just doing my job. You think he wants to go on this guy, even though it's not say his parents came from, you know, the back forty, having to farm and dig through dirt for like I mean, you know, their their parents is a little bit better off, say, than some of the some of the families that might have grown up uh in, in the thirties and forties and, and their sons made the NHL. But there's no way he's going to get somebody to videotape him walking through. Uh, here's the master bedroom, and he's there, and she's leading the way, just saying all, you know, and and describing all of the appliances or whatever the hell it was, you know. Uh, and and I just the one that got me was the bathroom, which first of all you can sleep a family of ten in, and and then he, you know, he, he's making a comment about how many baths he has to take, and I'm just going, no, Connor, no, no. No, and there's just no way this didn't originate without some third-party influence of the female variety. All right. Well, maybe he'll have us over for brunch one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he's got to fire up a new streak. Uh, yeah, as, which as he will. Yeah, I mean, no. he's, he's, he's unbelievable. He made a couple, like, he made a couple plays last night, but, I mean, it, you know the and, and you know the amazing thing, Paulie. The consecutive game streak in the NHL is fifty-one games, right? Wayne Gretzky. He did that from the start of the season. That streak didn't start during the season. That started in game one, and that streak ended because he played the last five games of that streak with a bad back. Like he he had he was injured. As soon as that streak ended against the Los Angeles Kings, uh, I believe the goaltender was Marcus Matson, who who is credited as being the goaltender record to shut Wayne down in that 52nd game. Wayne sought out the next five games. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the Edmonton Oilers won their next game against the uh, Hartford Whalers, I want to say, 10-5 to 5, or some crazy score. And do you remember a player named Pat Hughes? He started with the Montreal Canadiens. Then, okay. then he went to Edmonton. He had a five-goal game 
a five-goal game, the first game that Gretzky sat out after his streak ended. And everyone went, Wayne who? Oh, my. <laughs> well, guess what? Pat Hughes didn't score five the next game. <laughs> In fact, I think it took him the rest of the season to score five more goals. But, uh, you know, and even Mario, who went 46 games, he was hurt as well. And I believe his ended against the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. You may recall that. And I believe he, he was his ended because of injury also. But uh, so there's Connor. I guess he said, oh, well, Terry's ended at uh, Troy Terry's ended at 16 games. So I won 17. I got one more. Call her a day. But uh, no, I mean, uh, give Dallas credit, man. They looked great last night. Calgary Flames looked awesome last night. They keep on rolling. Boy, I'm telling you what, I'm eating it on Daryl Sutter so far. Uh, if if this show rolls in to 2022, <laughs> they got. Remember, you had to correct me last week when we did the show. I said I think they got seven shutouts, and you looked it up, said no, it's six. Now it's seven. Yeah, now it's seven. Now they yeah. went out and have got the seventh. Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous stuff. What's going on there? And and uh, I'll tell you what, it's crazy what Daryl Sutter's got these guys doing. I did not see this coming. I made another mistake. I don't think I made it with you, Polly. I think I made it on my other show there. I thought Dougie Hamilton was American. <laughs> I never said that with you. You would have corrected me right away. So I think I said that on Liam's Hockey. I made a reference to Dougie Hamilton saying, I know I talked to you about uh, Carolina and their massive improvement coming from three different, yes. you know, uh, D'Angelo and uh, and Ethan Bear and and Anderson and Ned. I mean, they made wholesale changes in net. They've got those two D in, and Dougie Hamilton's gone to New Jersey, and he's playing well, but New Jersey's New Jersey, and they're a little bit better. But, you know, that climb is just going to be a slow one, and eventually they'll move PK and they'll improve. But uh, the the I, I, oh, I thought Dougie Hamilton was somehow, for some reason, I thought he was American-born. He's not. He's Toronto-born. He's a Canadian kid. He's going to get consideration for the Olympic team. There's no doubt about it, but... Uh, I don't know. Uh, he might. He might want to wish he's American after seeing the release of those new Canadian jerseys. <laughs> well, I just saw the new American ones as well, and 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 uh, just just before you and I started today. Like, do you really care? I can't think of anything more worthless to comment on than how the sweaters, how the jerseys <laughs> look. I mean, I could give a flying, you know what? I mean, just go out there and win the friggin' game, run guys over, score more goals, win the win the game, win the tournament. I don't give a shit what they're wearing. Like yeah, the people that go online, and it doesn't matter what it is. Let's say that you and I, just as two guys right here, said that we thought the Canadian jerseys and the American jerseys were the two best we've ever seen in our lives. I guarantee you, on social media, there'd be thousands who would hate them. Thousands, thousands. That's just the way people roll, man. It's the way just, they roll. I just think it's funny. I mean, the U.S. jerseys look like they're, you know, they're going to a, a polo match or something. And the uh, I saw Wazinski comment that it looks like, somebody said it looks like the Canadians is a turkey's arse. <laughs> I didn't see that one, but that's a good one. You can't you know, I don't know. They've got, a, they've got a black jersey in there. They've gone with black before, I think, at some at some competition. That's probably the thing I know the least about, you know. I used to get trivia questions. I remember one time doing a gig in Toronto and this guy came and he was asking me all about the Maple Leaf on the Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, the crest 
on on the on the Toronto Maple Leaf uh, uniform, the sweaters, the jerseys. I I still call them sweaters. You know. Yeah, me too. I've never really kind of got used bad. to calling. That was bad jerseys. by me calling it a jersey. So. Ah, hey, no, look, it's not a locker room. It's a dressing room. No, it's not no. the wall. It's the no boards. You know. It's not no, a like power forward even is a basketball term. Like we they steal all these terms and put them in a hockey when we never needed them anyways. Whatever. So, you know, uh, the guys asking me about the tri- has a trivia question. I'm on stage and and this is what he stumped me on because I didn't know uh, on the the how the Toronto Maple Leaf the actual Maple Leaf the crest has changed over the years. How many different points? Yeah. has been on the actual parts of the Maple Leaf as it is on the sweater. And I went, you know, like I've never counted them. I've never, like I pretty much reserve my knowledge for what's going on the ice, you know, like yeah. I don't really know a lot about equipment and sweaters and stuff like that. I got a little bit of knowledge, but man, I, you got me. I had no idea. So I remember going home and when I looked it up and I couldn't believe it. How many times the Maple Leaf sweater had changed since they first went to it in 19, um, 1927 when Conn Smythe bought the team and he and he he he, he brought the he brought the Maple Leaf in. You, you know there was there was a uh, an inner county hardball team baseball team called the Toronto Maple Leafs at that time, and most people feel that's why Conn ended up calling them the Maple Leafs. He always liked the fact it was a distinct Canadian. It really kind of emphasized the fact because maple leaf is sort of like our our Canadian leaf, right? It's our emblematic leaf here in Canada. Uh, the maple leaf, it's on our flag. But Conn Smythe also said in interviews and in his book, one of his books, that he went with the term, which is grammatically incorrect, by the way, obviously, maple leaves. You don't say it that way. It's a maple leaf. Mm-hmm. But he, he he said when he was in the First World War, the Canadians who fought in the First World War were identified by a maple leaf ensign on their tunics. That's how they were identified. So whenever there was a particularly tough job to do, and you know what I mean by that, they that a number of the British um, commanders would say, get those dirty leafs to do it, huh. meaning get the, get the Canadians. Wow. And, and Khan fought and died. He had men die beside him. He, he was in both world wars. You say a lot of negative things about the guy, but I'll tell you what, he, he enlisted in the second world war. He didn't have to. He fought in the first world war. Men died beside him and he never forgot that. And he always said that was one of the reasons that he named the team. I'm no Toronto apologist or Maple Leaf fan, believe me. <laughs> but that's, that's a story that should be taught in schools. As far as I'm concerned in Canada, that's wow. uh that's, that to me is, is, is pretty, Pretty incredible. I've always yeah. loved it. I didn't know always that. loved it. I didn't know that. Look at you, man. Wow. Yeah. Hey, leave Today. it to you, buddy. And uh, kudos <laughs> to the to the man who uh, gave me that question. And I guess with Maple Leafs history, we can move into uh, this day in hockey history, right yeah. here on Sticks and Taps. Bartender, right, two more points here as we shift over here. <laughs> Woohoo! What do you got for us today, oh, man? Let me just get the old. Let me just get the old glass ready here, Polly. <laughs> Which one should I have today? I think Signal Hill. I think the one right off to St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, always tastes good on a Wednesday, I heard. <laughs> oh, especially before noon. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear this, Polly. 
Oh, no, I poured it so fast. No, we got the clink there. That's good. Did you get a little bit of that? Yeah, we I did. I wanted you to hear that. Can you hear the, if I pull this out, the cork? There you go. Did you get that? Ah, very nice. Yes. <laughs> now go on and give us a sip. We get that on tape. Yeah. Oh, I wish you could. Wish people could see it, but I'll take a little one now just to make sure it's okay, of course. Hmm. Oh, man, it goes fantastic with Fruit Loops. Okay, <laughs> so um, this day in hockey. Yeah, Scotty Bowman got his um, got his 2,000th, uh, played his, or to coach his 2,000th game. But that's not the one I want to talk about. Bo Roberts, oldest goaltender in NHL history, played on this day. He was a trainer, just got pushed into service. I mean, it's a cool story. But um, I got uh, I got an American one for you, Pauly. Uh, you know, you're... You're, uh, I don't give you enough shout outs, I think, for south of the 49th. So, and I've always, I always was a Chris Chelios fan. I don't know if you were or not, but you know, he's the second oldest player in NHL history. He retired from the Atlanta Thrashers. He was over 48 years of age. Pretty incredible. I mean, what Gordy Howe did will, will stand the test of time playing to a grandfather at 52. But on this day, uh, Chris Chelios passed Phil Housley for the most career games since 2007, I believe. Most career games by an American in NHL history. And with career game at that time, 1,496. Housley finished with 1,495. Chelios passed him on this day and ended up finishing his career with 1,651, which is still all-time uh, for an American-born player. And I was a fan of this guy when he came from um, the U.S. Olympic team in 84. You think of the pressure those guys must have had on him after yeah. Miracle in 1980. And he comes right to the Habs. He helps them go right to the semifinals. They're a losing team. Steve Penny catches lightning in a bottle. Then they win the Stanley Cup two years later. Chelios plays a big part in it. They go to the semis in 87. They go to the finals in 89 and lose to Calgary. That was, they beat the Flyers in the semis and Ron Hextall came out, hit him with the, hit him with the blocker, got a 12 game <laughs> suspension, the whole nine yards. Chelios ends up getting traded. The major controversial Denny Savard trade. He's a Norris trophy winner on a couple of teams. And on this day in hockey history, he became the number one games played leader for Americans in NHL history. And uh, I just, I just think that's awesome. I, I think that's fantastic. And uh, he ended up with 1,651. Second, by the way, currently, because Housley is now down to fourth. He's been passed by two other guys. Mike Medano, mm -hmm. who every single American hockey fan would know and love. What a fantastic player he was. The guy who's in second spot, Paulie, for the most career games by an American behind Chris Chelios is Matt Cullen. Matt Cullen, who would have thought, right? 1,516 games, played 21 years. You know, he was a guy, when you think of what your New York Rangers did, when Neil Smith went out and got all sorts of guys that Mike Keenan wanted, like Stefan Matteau, mm -hmm. who Keenan had coached in Chicago. Jim Rutherford, when he took over the Pittsburgh Penguins, went out and got guys like Matt Cullen, who he had in Carolina in 2006, Yep. And he inserts Cullen onto that third line with the Penguins, and they promptly win back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. With him yep. playing, not a Crosby or a Malkin role, but a significant role. Oh, yeah. And he, Great is, player. he is the number two American on the list next to Chris Chelios.
And just some uh, some birthdays today. EJ, Eddie Johnston, uh, Keith Primo, who I'm going to see in Montreal in a couple of weeks. He turns 50 years old today. Wow. Keith Primo. Mike Hoffman the uh, with the Habs. He's hurt. My dear friend, Freddie Brathwaite, goaltender, 49 years old today. So my Irish toast is, is uh, when I do it here, is going to be to toast those guys, a number of other birthdays. But those are three guys that I know personally. I wanted to give a shout out to, and that's my this day in hockey story on Chris Jellios. Good stuff, man. Yeah, now one of my favorites, obviously a guy, you know, me for me growing up in my generation in terms of watching him play and and all the great teams that he was on and and the, the big part of not only um you know uh, the great teams Chicago and Detroit and obviously Montreal and but what he did uh, for USA Hockey too. I mean, he was just uh, the face of USA Hockey as far as we were concerned. So I mean, you talk yeah. about Madonna, you talk about Chelios and. And, and all those guys and Richter and stuff like that and Leachy and and you know those those were just that was the team you know uh, and unfortunately like I said they uh, they weren't able to bring home gold uh, after 1980 since then but uh, yeah but kept... they well they they got the 96 World Cup and and uh, beating Canada two games to one after losing game one Steve Eiserman was three feet offside and yeah you could say Brad Hall got that in with a high stick but that was uh, so that evened out. <laughs> It was clearly high, but I mean, Steve Eisenman was clearly offside in game one. That goal should never have counted. So Americans had a good team. We were missing a few guys, but Chelios, all those guys you mentioned, I mean, that was a big win. I know it wasn't a miracle in terms of how the Americans view it, but I believe if I'm, and you and I have had this discussion before, I believe most American hockey fans have the 96 World Cup as number two after after the win on Miracle. Not that there's a whole lot of others to choose from, I suppose. I mean, Squaw Valley, 1960, but... Nobody's going that far back, but I'll no, tell you I mean, this, Paulie: nobody, nobody thrashes hotel rooms like Americans. Oh my God! <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, and that's you know, that, and that is unfortunate. But I mean, that '96 team. Look, the, you when you look at all the talent, room service. All, <laughs> yeah, all the talent from all the countries in '96 at that time, and a lot of guys were in there, the prime of their careers, and. You know, uh, you know us here in New York, obviously seeing um, you know Leachy and, and Richter get being a part of that team after just winning the cup there two years ago. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, big and the win, tur- man. Yeah, the tournament was well run. It was uh, it was good times. It was uh, it was all good stuff. I, I don't know if it was the same year. I think the Rangers had the All Star game that year too at the Garden. So it was a uh, it was a pretty. Oh good yeah, time. okay, yeah. I you may be so. right. I'm not sure about that one. I'm not sure about yeah, that we'll one, but. Have to uh, look at it. No, it was a good team. You know, they were a good team. It was a good win. And, and uh, for we couldn't, you know, Mary Lemieux chose not to play. And uh, Korea got hurt. And Patrick Watt chose not to play. And McInnes and Bork didn't play. But you know what? Um, it still went uh, the best of three. Went three games. And it came right down. I mean, Canada had a lead in the third period. Adam Foote scored. And the Americans came back. So, and, uh, and, and good on them. But I think it's regarded pretty much as number two. Anyway, I wanted to give that Chelios shout out to you. I always liked him as a player. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he was he, he really didn't back down really from anybody. Nah. He'd fight if you pushed him. He's got and tons he of games. Played against the best. Yeah, absolutely. He he. I love the way he played the game. I love the way he played the game. And now I got a little bit of a brief story on him in the book too that I wrote on Goldie because when Goldie saved that woman's life in San Diego. And ended up getting stabbed for it by that psycho who was out uh, from jail and uh, on PCP, drugs and everything. Ended up grabbing a buck knife and and stabbing Goldie repeatedly. One of the first guys on the scene walking by was uh, Chris Chelios. 
he he was there. He was just a just a kid at the time. He was playing junior hockey in Canada, and he was home because his his um they had lived in Chicago, but they were they had they had lived they were living in San Diego at that time, and and he was uh, he was he was one of the first guys on the scene. So I have that in the book. But uh, anyway, there you have it. Uh, great stuff. Great guy. Great day in history as as well. And happy birthday to uh, Mr. Chelios. So look, pals, we start winding down this episode. Before we get to the Irish toast, we have to do our Irish connection here today. Yes, I, think you have a, I think you have a pretty damn good one for us this afternoon. Oh, absolutely, Polly. So, there we oh. go. Let's let that go. Can't wait to get back over there one of these days. Yeah, I know, man. That's uh, bucket those, list stuff for you, you and I. Uh, and you gotta get got to get on the plane. We have some things planned, you and I. I'll tell you what, this is, um, there isn't many, we don't have too many more of these in, in this frame, but this is another former NHLer who was born in Ireland. His name was Robert Bobby Kirk. His nickname was KG. He was born in a town called Doe, pronounced Doe, D-O-A-G-H, in County Antrim. Now, there isn't a lot of information about his family that I could find online, but he's one of the many, just like Owen Nolan and 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 something, you know, and 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 uh, and Sid Finney and some of the other Jimmy McFadden, some of the other ones that we've talked about, where they came over to Canada at a young age. In his case, he settled in Manitoba, and he got into hockey eight nine years of age and took to the sport and became good enough at it to play pro for twelve years, including one year in the NHL for your. New York Rangers, where he had a solid season. I believe it was 1937. It was the only year that he played, but he settled. When he came over, he was an excellent junior. He ended up playing in the 1929 Memorial Cup, emblematic of junior hockey supremacy here in Canada. And uh, they did not win. He ends up turning pro. He ends up making the NHL for a year. He goes back to pro. He retires, becomes a coach. And he's coaching in Flint Lawn, Manitoba, because he's a Manitoba boy at this point. And he coaches them to the 1957 Memorial Cup. Wow. And they win it. They win it. And on that team was Ted Hampson, a couple other guys who made the NHL. But there's a player by the name of Pat Janelle. Pat Janelle. And he is a legend. He does not make the NHL, but he becomes a coach himself, and he stays in Flint Lawn for decades, and he later coaches Bobby Clark and Reggie Leach and that fantastic Flint Lawn bomber team of the late 60s. So Pat was their coach. Pat played for Bobby Kirk. Bobby Kirk was born in Doe in County Antrum, and he's our he's our Irish connection that today. And, and what I love about that, Paulie, just to finish very quickly, is that doing some investigating on it, is there's a Kirk Cup. Okay, that, that entire area of Ireland is synonymous for field hockey, obviously among the other sports, right? Hurling, yeah. soccer, Gaelic football, and things of that nature. But field hockey is very big as well. And and there's a Kirk Cup that goes to the winner of one of the most prestigious tournaments. And I couldn't confirm this, but there was some arrows sort of pointing to the fact that the Kirk Cup is so named for his ancestors that they were big into field hockey and that when he came to Canada with there being no field hockey in Manitoba in the 1920s, 1910s, 
that they said, you got to play hockey. It's in our blood. And he took to hockey, and sure enough, man, 12-year pro. Nothing to sneeze his, sneeze your hat at. Most of those years, by the way, in the American Hockey League, like one notch below the NHL, let alone the season he had, playing for uh, Lester Patrick and Frank Boucher and the Rangers. So I just think it's a really cool Irish connection today. It's, uh, and, and apparently the song they, they used to sing to start all the matches which was written way back in the early 1800s in Ireland, was a song called The West's Awake. And it was written by a man named uh, Thomas Davis back in the early 1800s. And it's a very, uh, it's an incredible song. Incredible, 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 powerful song, no matter who sings it. The verses are unbelievable. And uh, so I just think that whole thing just ties in nicely for our Irish connection today, brother. No, it's uh, it's it's fascinating. That's why, I mean, look, it's a huge part of our show here at Sticks and Taps in, in terms of connecting the game uh, with the Irish, uh, you know, heritage lineage, however you want to, um, you know, look at it here. And uh, just to get a little uh, taste of um, that song you're talking about here and the music and stuff as well that we love to also, you know, just celebrate here on Sticks and Taps. This is a more modern version of the song here, but yeah. And this is, uh, I believe, the act is called Lemire. L U M I E R. Let that go. Let that go, Paul. You still got the red. Let that go. Damien Dempsey. Oh, wow. Stuff, man. Beautiful. Beautiful yeah, it is. It is. You know, you consider those words, of course, would be though you would hear that type of language back all those years ago when when Thomas Davis wrote that song. The song is written about, of course, the the insurrections and the, the rebellions and the West of Ireland coming to the fore. The West's asleep. The West's asleep. No, the West is awake. The West is awake. Yeah. Coming to the fore. Because the last, as he wrote it, I believe in 1810 or 1820, uh, the, he says, But hark a voice like thunder spake. The West's awake. The West's awake. Sing, oh, hurrah, let England quake. We'll watch till death for Aaron's sake. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You have to have something coursing through your veins mm-hmm. to sit down. And I know he was, and he died early in life. He got the scarlet fever and died in Dublin at the age of 30. 
And it's, it's a great story on him. His name is Thomas Davis, his history, his his sparring with with Daniel O'Connell and 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 is amazing stuff. But even O'Connell, they say, was so upset at his passing, even though he was kind of a of a of a activist against him. But for for Davis to sit down and write that just just like the men who wrote the Declaration of Independence on April 24th, 1916, you have to have, you ha- you are a special person. Yeah. To, have, to have that coursing through you, to be able to write that down, uh, I just I just think you're, you're somebody special. I think he was somebody special, even though he's, can you imagine, we are definitely the only people in the world talking about him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, unless there's some scholars over there in Trinity College giving him a, a bit <laughs> yeah, of some props maybe. over there right now, maybe, you know? Maybe, maybe. maybe. But, uh, they are five hours ahead of us, so they're winding down their day, and they're probably, they're about to go out and do what I'm going to do right now, which is finish this shot. <laughs> For our birthday boys, as I gave them all a shout out there oh, earlier, and, uh, it's not Chelios's birthday today, but he did become the the most uh, most games played by an American today. But uh, Eddie Johnston, Mike Hoffman, Freddie Brathwaite, Keith Primo, among others, uh, and uh, Thomas Davis for that fantastic ballad. Thanks for playing that, Paulie. That was you great, got it, man. Beautiful stuff. Hey, look, man, Ireland is steep, deep, and rich with poets and songwriters, and it's it's magical stuff. And it's there's no other sound in the world that you can match it to you know the celtic history and you know yeah. full, full marks to obviously scotland and everything else but um oh yeah here's to yeah. the republic here's to northern ireland it's a great island get there <laughs> we'll get there back there soon up the but, dubs up the republic all right pal the whiskey and the jar is up in the air we're about to move on to another pub we never say goodbye we're just moving on to another pub give us your irish toast of the day there mate all right, lads. Well, I should say, Paulie. Uh, as I said, I, I'm toasting the birthday boys today, and, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that right now, and and uh, I'm gonna toast their health, and I'm gonna toast uh, yours, and uh, your incredible weight loss, and, and I'm gonna toast uh, I'm gonna toast my next whiskey. Here we go. Cheers. Bravo. And to all my fellow Yanks out there, very happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy, happy Thanksgiving happy to, to all you guys, Paulie. A happy belated birthday. Was it uh, yesterday or the day before? Two days yesterday, ago, right? Yesterday, sir. Yesterday. Yesterday? Happy belated birthday. I cannot believe I missed it not saying this uh, long stop. to Don't say something on the show. Uh, you know, and, and you're celebrating it by uh, by in, in embracing and embarking on this fantastic workout regime. Very, very happy and proud for you. And uh, can't wait to see the final results. And uh, in the meantime, I will stay here on the other side of the screen and continue to hammer back the fight. <laughs> Great stuff as always, mate. I love it. And a great toast and uh, another great episode here at Sticks and Taps. Again, we're uh, very excited to be back here on the air. We'll be back here. We'll do an early one next week. I'm heading down south for my brother's wedding yeah. down in New Orleans, baby. It'll be good stuff. All right. Uh, on behalf of every, all of us here at Sticks and Taps, me and Liam, thanks for following. Make sure you follow us everywhere at Sticks and Taps. Tell a friend. Tell a few mates. Raise a few points and stay safe and healthy out there. And as always, Liam, say goodbye to the folks. Folks, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. G'day. Oh!